0: All right. Very well. Well, uh, tonight we are going to be talking about angels in the Old Testament and uh, spending about well, maybe a little over half of the lesson talking about the angel of the Lord in particular. So that will be um, very important as you read your Bible to know who the angel of the Lord is and uh, his place in God's program. So how about I pray and then we'll get into uh, the lesson tonight. Father, we thank you so much for this evening you've given us, this time of fellowship, time of singing together and looking at your word together, time of praying together. Uh, Lord, you've, you've made us to be together, and we are thankful that we have this opportunity. And Lord, we ask that you would give us a great study tonight as we look into your word to hear what it is that you have revealed to us about these interesting creatures, angels. God, help us to have understanding and to apply this knowledge our lives in a way that honors and glorifies you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, what is the context, do you think, for the first place in the Bible that the word angel appears? The very first time the word angel shows up in the text of the Bible, what's going on? Do you know? Everybody want to take a guess? It's in the book of Genesis. No, the the word angel doesn't appear there, but that's a great thought because what kind of angel is there? What does it say? Cherub. Cherub. Yeah. And we know that a cherub is an angel. So technically you're right. But the word angel shows up for the first time in Genesis 16. So let's all turn to Genesis 16 and check this out. And maybe for the last time this year, I'm going to turn on the AC just to knock it down a little bit to keep you guys awake and to keep me from sweating. Genesis 16, the story of Hagar. Uh-huh. Wow, isn't that amazing? This is the first place where the word angel shows up in Genesis. So even though uh, Joseph was exactly right in pointing out that God sets a chair up there uh, in Genesis 3, this is the next time we see any reference to any angel and the first time that specific word for angel is used. So let's have someone read verses 7 to 13. And, um, you know, Hagar was the one that uh, Abraham, when he was taking matters into his own hands on heard the advice of his wife, uh, he had a child with Hagar. He's looking for one of these? Okay, there you go. Yeah. Um, and so uh, Hagar here has now been banished, uh, banished out. And so let's have uh, someone read 7 to 13 of Genesis 16. Who's got that? Mike? Thanks. <coughs>
1: When the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. he said, Hagar, Sarah, babe, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah." Then the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants. So that they will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord has given heed to your affliction, he will be a wild donkey of a man, his hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him, and he will live to the east of all his brothers. Then she calls the name of the Lord and spoke to her, your a God who sees, or she said, Have I even alive here after seeing him?
0: <laughs> Okay, so uh, tell me what's going on here. What are some interesting facts and features of this passage? last verse, Mike,
2: read.
0: Yes. Good. Oh, okay. If you've got a Bible that, uh, I think pretty much all of our Bibles do this, put Lord in all caps, you'll notice that Lord is in all caps. What does that mean? Yahweh, it's the divine name, Yahweh. Moses wrote the book of Genesis. Moses was the one who spoke with God at the burning bush, and we'll get to that passage later this evening. The Lord disclosed his name, Yahweh, the I Am. And it says in verse 13, she called the name of Yahweh who spoke to her. Where did Yahweh speak to her? Behold, you're a child. But it says angel. It says the angel of Yahweh. Okay, so we're starting to get some interesting, interesting information here, okay? There's a title, the angel of the Lord. You have, in verse 13, saying that the Lord spoke to her, and she says, you are a God of seeing, or the God who sees. I love that title for God, the God who sees. Okay, um, that's interesting stuff. Is this taking place in our sphere or the supernatural sphere? This is something we're going to track as we go through these passages. Ours, yeah. You could say our realm or the supernatural realm, but ours. Okay, so Genesis 16, we're going to put that here. The angel of the Lord is there with her, verse 7, by a spring of water in the wilderness. Okay, so angel of the Lord shows up with her in our sphere. But of course, um, and we'll come back to the angel of the Lord momentarily. This isn't the only place we see angels interacting in the Old Testament. There are many places uh, in Moses, and the prophets, uh, in the Psalms. So we're just going to look at a few samples, okay? Let's go to uh, Genesis 28 on our way into the middle of the Old Testament. We'll stop at Genesis 28. And uh, let's look at verses 10 to 12. You've got these passages on your sheet. Genesis 28, 10 through 12. And let's uh, have someone read that. Go ahead, Rex.
3: Then Jacob departed from Sheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and lay down in that place. He had a dream, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it.
0: Yes. So, this is a pretty famous passage, Jacob's Ladder. He used a stone as a pillow. When's the last time you did that? It was made by Serda or something like that. And he has this dream and uh, just a really brief kind of statement here. I mean, it goes on to give more detail, but... As far as these angels and what they're doing, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Uh, Ladder, okay, don't think little giant, fold it up, lean it against the house ladder, okay? Uh, Probably more like stairway is better, okay? But uh, you've got angels showing up here, they're ascending and descending, and they're heavenly beings, aren't they? It says uh, that this ladder or this stairway reached to heaven, and the angels were ascending and descending. Uh, you can write down as a cross reference, uh, if you're taking notes, John chapter 1, verse 51, because Jesus made an interesting statement, I think, hearkening back to this verse. And uh, it says, Jesus here, uh, after calling Philip and Nathanael, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Kind of interesting. Angels of God ascending and descending. Same thing that you have here with the ladder or the stairway. Which sphere is this taking place in? Our sphere or supernatural sphere? Supernatural. Yeah, this would be supernatural because this is a dream, it's a vision. Um, it's taking place outside of our uh, sphere. So, okay. Let's uh, go to Exodus 14. Exodus chapter 14, just the next book over. Looking at verses 17 through 20, this is, again, just a survey, brief overview, leaving out all kinds of passages that we could include, but making note of some interesting passages that give us some unique detail we can stitch together. Exodus 14, 17 through 20, who would like to read that for us? 14, 17 to 20, Evelyn, thank you.
4: through his chariots and his horsemen. For the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. The angel of God, who had been going before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel, and there was the cloud along with the darkness, yet it gave light at night. Thus,
0: the one did not near the other all, all right so you have in verse 19 this reference to the angel of god this may be the angel of the lord uh just with a little bit of a different spin on the title using the word elohim instead of yahweh uh, so it could be especially because uh it uses the word the angel that almost makes you think that way doesn't it but it may not be maybe another angel But at any rate, rate, in any case, kind of combine two phrases there, what is that angel doing? Yes, protecting, guarding, going before them and then, of course, now moving behind them and the pillar of cloud moving from before them and standing behind. So a lot of things going on. It doesn't tell us if Israel could specifically see the angel of God or not, or if it was a constant vision they would have of the angel of God, but we're told here that he existed, and he had this function of protecting, leading, directing them. Uh, That was a specific function that he had. Our sphere or supernatural sphere? sphere? Yes, ours. Okay. Add Exodus 14 to that. Okay. Okay, let's uh, look at Psalm 91. After we look at a couple more, I'll pause and we'll kick around some questions. But Psalm 91, there are several places in the Psalms we could go to see angels mentioned. But Psalm 91 is pretty interesting as we look at verses 9 to 13. And we'll also look at uh, Psalm 78, because this one, that one's really interesting. Uh, so let's have someone grab Psalm 91, 9 through 13. Who can get that one for us? Volunteer. Joseph. And then Greg. This one's not on the sheet, but could you get Psalm 78, 23 to 25? Okay. Now that, and that one's just like, what do you do with that one? So, okay. Be excited, Greg. You get to read right. a strange one. All right. So uh, Joseph, Psalm 91, 9 through 13. Strike a foot against a stone. Uh, you will tread upon the lion and cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample down. All right. So these are uh, promises given to the one who fears the Lord, one who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, abiding in the shadow of the Almighty. You see that in verse one. That's a sweet verse, uh, sweet ways of phrasing those things. What are the angels doing in this passage that Joseph just read? Hey, okay, yeah, they will guard you in all of your ways. What else are they doing? Think a little abstractly here. What else are they doing in verse eleven?
2: God will give them charge concerning. give mm-hmm. The angels
0: charge concerning them. So the angels are guarding. Obey God. Obey. That's where I was Obey. going. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Good. Uh, God is giving the command, and He's the angels are obeying. Order, they're following. Yes. Very good. So he gives charge, he gives command, they follow the order, and that order is to guard his people. That's kind of like an interesting chain of command if you view it that way, right? Angels here aren't rogue, they're obeying the command of God, and his command is for them to guard us. Now, this is an obvious question, but it's good to remind ourselves. Does God need angels to guard his people? No, he does not. Because God is where? And he's how strong? Uh, yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> All right. So if you're omnipresent and omnipotent, you don't need angels. You don't need any creature. But he uses them. He made them, and he's using them. Pretty interesting. Okay, our sphere or a supernatural sphere? Yeah, ours. Good. Greg, why don't you go ahead and read Psalm 78, 23 to 25, and I'll combine those up there.
1: And he commanded the skies above, and opened the doors of heaven, and he rained down on them manna to eat. He gave them the
5: grain of heaven. Man ate the bread of the angels.
0: He sent them food in abundance. Manna is angel food. Mm-hmm. So next time you're having angel food cake, you say this manna is really yummy. <laughs> <laughs> he commanded the skies above. He opened the doors of heaven. He rained down on the manna, the grain of heaven. Man ate the bread of angels that's crazy <laughs> that's just that's that's crazy what
2: was that, passage?
0: that was psalm seventy eight particularly verse twenty five thank you okay so i'll put psalm ninety one up there for our sphere i don't know what you want to do with what sphere or realm that's in right because like on the one hand it's like our manna is our angels just ch- munching on manna in the supernatural sphere uh is that what is that what that means i i don't know i don't really know what to do with that one. I just know I shouldn't run too far with that ball that scripture gives us. But it's an interesting ball and I'll look at it. I'll play catch with it for a minute. Okay? Very interesting. Man ate the bread of angels. Okay, let's look at uh, one more together. Ezekiel. Let's go to the prophets. Ezekiel chapter 10 where the cherubim are are introduced again here. You know Ezekiel saw crazy stuff, right? He Mike's been uh, studying the book of Ezekiel for a while, and yeah, it's just been like one long trip, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, someone want to read this for us? Uh, 1 through 5 of Ezekiel 10? I got it. Okay, go ahead. Can
2: you get there? That's way too small. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Then I looked, and behold, in the expanse that was over the heads of the cherubim, something like a sapphire stone, in appearance resembling a throne, appeared above them. And he spoke to the man clothed in linen and said, Enter between the whirling wheels under the cherubim, and fill your hands with coals of fire from between the cherubim, and scatter them over the city. And he entered in my sight. Now the cherubim were standing on the right side of the temple when the man entered, and the cloud filled the inner court then the glory of the lord went up from the cherub to the threshold of the temple and the temple was filled with the cloud and the court was filled with the brightness of the glory of the lord moreover the sound of the wings of the cherubim was heard as far as the outer court like the voice of god almighty when he speaks Woo.
0: I don't think to this point in the passages we've looked at in the weeks leading up to this, we've seen specifically that the cherubim have wings. I think this is the first time we've seen that together in this study. And they have loud wings. Wow. You know, there was a time I uh, was taking a break on a Monday or whatever. Um, You know, Monday's my day off. And I went up to uh, Nebo on the loop and was sitting up there. Quiet Monday, because no one's up there on a Monday. And I saw hawk or some kind of bigger bird up flying overhead, and I was sitting out there in a chair reading, and I could hear whoosh, whoosh of the wings, which is really cool. You know, you don't get to hear that very much in our day and age. And uh, this would really overshadow that experience. The sound of the wings of the cherubim was heard as far as the outer court, like the voice of God Almighty. There's not much you can compare to the voice of God Almighty. So they got loud wings, Okay. Um, what else are you are you noticing there in that passage and and we could read before this and after this, and there's all kinds of things to see in Ezekiel but what do you see what do you think do you
1: think that-
0: Your guess is as good as mine, Mike. I don't know. I didn't hear the beginning of this question. Asking basically the uh, coals of fire, uh, which we just read about in... What what verse was that? Oh, verse uh, 2. Yeah, if that has to do with judgment against Israel. Yeah, so there's a lot of of imagery going on in Ezekiel, and uh, a lot gets explained over the course of the book. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Well, is this in our realm or the supernatural realm?
2: Yes. <laughs>
3: supernatural.
0: Yeah, supernatural. And also, you know, we've looked at this passage a couple of times. Isaiah 6, holy, 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 the uh, seraphim cry out. That's also in the supernatural sphere. Okay, the prophets, um, well, particularly Isaiah and Ezekiel, they tend to interact with angels much more in visions, like they're, they're getting a glimpse into the unseen realm. Whereas with Daniel, the passages we've looked at so far in Daniel with Michael and the other angels that talk to him, that's like happening in his sphere. He's interacting with them. He even says, I felt a hand touch me. And there was a man, and this man turned out to be an angel. And so uh, Daniel's experiences with angels tend to be a little bit different.
3: Rex? Question real quick. As we look at the, at the angels, and you may have covered this here, but you're talking about the wings and flying over everything, which they actually don't need to. Have. Yes. I'm not really sure if that's just for our benefit but then we look at the the angels that appear like in the tomb mm-hmm. there's no mention yeah. whatsoever of them standing there with men that's right, clothing.
0: they're just dressed in white
3: so, mm-hmm. again, I'm assuming that's, that's for our benefit
0: mm-hmm. you know? well, and of course there are those different types of angels um,
3: yes, got and, and
0: yes, and you've got the four living creatures of Revelation and I wouldn't be surprised if there were unrevealed types of angels that the Lord hasn't just told us. Yes, so you have in their supernatural realm these differences in function, classification, rank, all that stuff. But then you also have this reality that they can apparently take on the form of man from time to time. Abraham and Lot is a great example uh, where that happens. And... The author of Hebrews I think is drawing on that when he says in thirteen, some of you have entertained angels unaware. So that leaves quite a bit of mystery. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if
1: you speak mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to say what they really mean
0: Yeah. Well yeah, and um, as a creature especially one who uh, is still on this side of glory, a creature like you and me that hasn't been glorified yet. You're seeing this kind of stuff. What, what do you understand? I mean, even when we get to heaven, even when we are in glory, god's not, we're not going to be, become gods and know everything. We're still going to be limited in what we'll be able to understand and comprehend. And so uh, Ezekiel, Daniel, John, others who had these types of visions, to the best of their ability, they're articulating under inspiration of the Holy Spirit What they saw and heard, and yeah,
3: maybe that's to help us as we study it now. We talk about it so much Mm -hmm. that it's ingrained in our mind these different visions and stuff. So that maybe when we do get there and we're not, you know, we don't know everything, but to to see something like that, or even like the the creatures who, you know, was when was Ezekiel was seen, or Isaiah who was seeing God coming in in His glory and the chariot of fire and everything Mm -hmm. else, and these creatures they talked about. So you know, when we do get there, it won't be just startled, but we've read about.
0: Yes, but it'll still blow our minds. Oh Oh, man, yep, totally. Totally. Uh, You know, I mentioned Isaiah six here that we we didn't turn to tonight. Another passage that I could just reference back from our first lesson. That Second Kings six, Elisha and his servant, his Elisha's servant's eyes were opened, and he saw the host of the angels. And remember what Elisha told him, those who are with us are greater than those who are with them. And he prayed that the Lord would give him eyes to see, and the Lord gave him eyes to see. Is that, was that taking place in our sphere or the supernatural sphere? Yes. That, that is the right answer, isn't it? Uh, because it was supernatural. He had to have his eyes open before, so he could see it. But they were fighting on their behalf the stuff that was taking place on earth. And so, um, you know, that... That really is a great image of both and, not just one or the other. And so I just wanted this as an exercise so you're not thinking strictly one or the other. I, I would love to say that I've gone through and examined all the appearances of angels in all the Bible. And if you go through, you know, there are 126. There are 63 in our sphere. 63 in the supernatural is perfectly even. I don't know if that's <laughs> the case, okay? But um, I would say that there's a lot in both as you go through Scripture. Yes, they are supernatural beings. Yes, they exist in the supernatural sphere, the invisible sphere. But yes, also, they appear in our realm. And they're very active in our realm, according to the text of the Bible. So it's, it's a both-and thing. So, um, you know, summing up just briefly what we looked at here in the Old Testament, God has given His people throughout the text of Scripture, He's given them glimpses of the supernatural realm, of the angelic realm, you could say, and he's revealed them with a function as messengers and as protectors, as proclaimers and as guardians that's very consistent. That's, how, that's what they do. Okay? So uh, any thoughts or questions there before we examine the angel of the Lord in more detail? How are you feeling perfect? Oh, go ahead.
2: You could include um, Gabriel and Michael. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Yes. Go look for that. There it is. Um, Gabriel appearing to Zacharias, yep. that's like here in the physical world.
0: Well, he appeared to and Daniel. Mary. He appeared to mm, Daniel. Oh, uh, Elizabeth. Yeah, yep. Mary. Elizabeth. Yep. So, you yep. Just For sure. For sure. Yep. The
2: only named angels. <laughs> yes.
0: Yep. Gabriel and Michael. Okay. Well, let's examine the angel of the Lord in more detail. And you'll see on your sheet that I'm making a claim here from the get-go. The angel of the Lord is unique. He is the Son of God. Hey, we already started to see that in uh, Genesis 16 with Hagar. The angel of the Lord said to her, and she said to the Lord who spoke to her. Well, she just conflated the two terms, right? The angel of Yahweh and Yahweh. And that's what you see over and over again in the Old Testament. So let's go back to Genesis 32. Genesis chapter 32. And it's imperative, as you turn there, think about this. It's imperative that we talk about the angel of the Lord on the night when we're talking about angels in the Old Testament because the only place you see the angel of the Lord is in the Old Testament. The only place. Not the New Testament. No New Testament book speaks of the angel of the Lord. So if we're going to talk about him, it has to be when we're in the Old Testament because that's the only place he is as far as the Bible is concerned. So let's look at Genesis 32, starting in verse 1, an interesting statement made that sets us up for what is to come. Genesis 32, 1, it says, Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. Now, what does that mean? Like a meet and greet? Were there hors d'oeuvres? Unless they're a punch bowl, you know? <laughs> they, just, they met him. Okay, cool. Well, let's uh, drop down to now uh, 22. Very famous passage. The same night, he arose and took his two wives, oh boy, two female servants and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jebek. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. <laughs> then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. Which wasn't really a question there was. It says asked him and then it's an imperative. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, or Peniel, I guess, properly, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed through Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Wow. All right, so um, you have him wrestling with who, according to the text? Okay, yeah, there are two ways you could answer that, but man is the first way he's described, isn't it? It says that there was a man, verse 24, a man who wrestled with him. Now, um, based on the context of what's happening, Jacob is alone, it's night, a man just appears, it doesn't say that this man has a name. In fact, Jacob asks for his name and is denied that request, okay, uh, or told him to tell him his name, and he was denied. Um, putting those factors together, we start thinking this is something different than just two guys going at it. Uh, often in the Old Testament, you'll see an angel presented as a man. I just referenced a little bit ago Daniel, where he, he saw a man, and that man turned out to be an angel. And that happens a few times in Scripture, But uh, he wrestles and prevails, and it says in verse 28, this man says to Jacob, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And men there is in the plural. You've striven with God and with men. And it, it seems as though this man is putting himself in the category of God. You have striven with me here. And uh, there are some other indicators that reveal that this man holds divine authority. He changes his name. Okay. Now, not just anybody can walk up to another guy and say, you will no longer be Brandon. Okay. <laughs> you will be Robert. For a long time, I thought your name was right. Robert. <laughs> <laughs> so right, maybe, I, maybe I should have just done that first time I met you. Mm, Brandon's not sticking. You're Robert. Robert. No. <clears throat> he
1: <laughs>
0: well, he, So he changes his name. And then you have this thing where Jacob says, please tell me your name, and he just says, nah, why should I do that? And then moves on.
3: <laughs> Sounds to me like a Christophe
0: name. Yeah, right. We start, our mind starts going down this road of, this isn't just any man.
3: He wouldn't lie, mm-hmm. so he didn't give him a false name. Mm-hmm. Could yeah. he give his real name? No, probably not.
0: And we'll see in the judge's passage here in just a moment that this isn't the first time that this <laughs> man has asked his name and he denies the request. That happens again. But I want you to see Hosea tied to this passage here. So you can flip over to Hosea and see Hosea's commentary on this incident with Jacob. He references Jacob. He starts sharing some details of Jacob's life in Hosea 12 and speaks of this in particular, except he doesn't call this person a man. Hosea 12, verses 1 through 5. Would someone like to read that for us? Hosea 12, 1 to 5. You got it? Thanks.
4: Ephraim feeds on wind and pursues the east wind continually. He multiplies lies and violence. Moreover, he makes a covenant with Assyria, and oil is carried to Egypt. The Lord has also has a dispute with Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways. He will repay him according to his deeds. In the womb, he took his brother by the heel, and in his maturity, he contended with God. Yes, he wrestled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He found him at Bethel, and there he spoke with us. Even the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord is his name.
0: So if you take verses three and four, the information that Hosea provides now about this man that Jacob strove with. What are you what are you learning? <laughs> the Lord of
4: hosts.
0: Okay. Yeah, and the man is referenced as an angel in verse 4. And back in Genesis 32, what we just read, the man is not called an angel. Hosea now is incorporating that angel, and you also have him referenced as God. So there is a particular angel who appears as a man who is also God. I'm starting to see some of this, okay? And you see it over and over again. In the Old Testament text, there are many times, we're just looking at four instances of the angel of the Lord tonight. Well, five, I guess, if you count uh, Hagar in Genesis 16, but there are certainly more than that. And it does seem as though these are, as Rex pointed out, Christophanies, appearances of Christ before he was born to Mary. All right. Um, Another interesting point now, yeah. Okay, I'm going to skip that. It's a Hebrew thing, and I don't know Hebrew well enough to even say that confidently, so we'll skip that. Exodus 3. Let's go to Exodus 3. And after we look at these passages, I'll uh, stop for questions and give some summary statements. But Genesis or Exodus 3, rather, we will see again the angel of the Lord appearing. And remember to pay attention to detail here. I know it's a Wednesday night. We're all a little tired. We've all done things today that have worn down our brain, but. Look at this passage like you've never looked at it before, all right? Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Who can read that for us? I got it. Okay, go ahead.
5: Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed.
0: And Moses hid his face, where he was afraid to look at God. Okay. So, look at verse two, and then look at verse six. Who appeared to Moses out of the bush? Andrew's Andrew's Lord.
1: Lord.
0: And who but was he God. afraid? To, who was he afraid to look at? According to verse six. God. And who was speaking to him? According to verse four. God. God. Okay, so there's an equation happening here between the angel of the Lord and God himself. I I actually think, um, you know, many times in our memory, we, we forget the angel of the Lord part with this passage. We just think God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. But it's the angel of the Lord speaking to him, and he is God. That's true. But it's important to remember, this is an appearance of the angel of the Lord, and the angel of the Lord is God. I think that's pretty cool. Okay. Judges. Let's turn forward a few more books to Judges. Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges 13. And it's really kind of like a whole chapter passage. There's a lot to to see. Um, How about this? I'll read verses 1 to 14, and then who would read after me 15 to 25? Who could do 15 to 25 after me? For what? Judges 13. Brandon, you'll... Brandon actually raised his hand. (laughs) Brandon. He's polite. (laughs) All right, Judges 13. I'll read 1 to uh, 14. The people of Israel did, or again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son." So then drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Verse 8. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again to us and teach us what we are to do with the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband was not with her. So the woman ran quickly and told her husband, Behold, the man who came to me the other day has appeared to me. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now when your words come true, what is to be the child's manner of life? And what is his mission? And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, or eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe.
6: Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you so that we <laughs> may prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name, so that when your words come to pass, we may honor you? But the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? So Manoah took the young goat and with the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord. And he performed wonders while Manoah and his wife looked on. For it came about when the flame went up from the altar toward heaven that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. Now the angel of the Lord did not appear to Manoah or his wife again. Then Manoah knew that the that he that he was the angel of the Lord. So Manoah said to his wife, "We will surely die, for we have seen God." But his wife said to him, "If the Lord had desired to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all of these things, nor would he." Have let us hear things like this at this time. Then the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. And the child grew up and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord became, began to stir him.
0: <laughs> uh, Your guess is as good as mine, Brandon.
6: <laughs> Between Zora and Eshtal.
0: All right. Pretty amazing. This whole chapter is pretty amazing with information about the angel of the Lord, isn't it? What are some things that stood out to you about the angel of the Lord in this chapter?
1: Why do you ask my name?
0: Yes. (laughs) Why do you ask my name seeing it is wonderful? Verse 18. What creature could say, My name is wonderful? And he's a man. Yeah, and there's an appearance as a man, right? Okay, good. What else? Yeah, um, well, there's a holiness and a purity, right, associated with God, and that no unclean thing can be in His midst. The Jews had a, you know, they had to have a very deep, intimate understanding of clean and unclean to obey the law. And the law, they understood as the, the code of holiness. And so if you're unclean, you are unworthy to be in the presence of God. And they knew that God was a consuming fire, They knew that God was jealous, Uh, and so any unclean thing wouldn't survive. I mean, Jesus himself, of course, taught based on the Old Testament, no one can see God and live. I mean, that was the understanding. And so because of the the absolute holiness of God and their understanding based on the condemnation of the law, they knew that they couldn't stand before a holy God. Good question. Yeah?
6: he can allow people to see him. To, right?
0: like, I mean, that's kind of... Yeah, so there are times in the Old Testament, like Moses, uh, he's able to see the backside of the Lord, okay? You've got uh, right here, even, uh, verse 22, we have seen God. Now, they thought they were going to die, and they didn't, And but they, they made this equation of this angel, the angel of the Lord, is God himself, and we've seen him, okay? Okay. Um, so yes, people could see God, but it appears as though each time that's happening, they're seeing the Son of God. They're not seeing the Father. They're seeing the Son, and that is, of course, who who we see. I mean, not like you know this, but but we come to the Father through the Son. He is the way to the Father.
6: That kind of goes with the Holy Trinity,
0: then. Right? Yes. I mean. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep. And the fact that. He's the angel of the Lord, and he is the Lord. He's of the Lord, yet he is the Lord. We're seeing kind of like in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So there's a plurality, yet there's also an an equality that exists. So,
2: yep. So the angel of the Lord is distinct. A completely different and distinct classification.
0: Yes. Yes. And. If you look at, uh, let's see, 20, um, hold on. Oh, verse 17. Look at verse 17 with me. Uh, When they say, you know, they want to honor him, he doesn't reject honor. When they make their offerings, he doesn't reject offerings. Um, When they're seeking to worship him, he doesn't say, I'm a servant like you. I mean, that's what the angel in Revelation, hold on a second. The angel in, in Revelation, that's what he says. He said, don't, don't worship me, I'm a fellow servant. And so, for the angel of the Lord to receive worship shows that he's actually above the created angels. He's the creator appearing as an angel. Okay, what are you saying?
2: I apologize for interrupting everybody who's been raising their hands. I'm sorry. <laughs> like good students. I'm really tired. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm rude. (laughs) (laughs) So, Manoah and his wife offer an offering to the Lord. Mm -hmm. They offer a young goat and a grain offering. So, I I don't know what those sacrifices were. It's
0: free will worship offerings. Yeah. Just free will offerings. Yeah. Yep. Are you raising your hand, little lady? <laughs> uh, I thought
4: it was interesting in verse six that she comes and tells her husband mm-hmm. that this man of God, his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. Yes, it's like she knew
0: scripture and was saying, so mm-hmm. like, we've, "We've heard about the angel of
2: God, and this kind of seems like it could have been him." Yes, and then later in
4: nineteen, no, in later Manoah realizes it was the angel
0: of God. <coughs> yes twenty one. Then Manoah knew that he yes. was the angel of the Lord. So yes. It, it seems like they, they had an understanding of who, who at least what the angel of the Lord yep. was like from Moses and other. Yep, prior. for sure. Scripture and or experience, it's likely and. Uh, there's It probably wasn't their first time either experiencing some angelic activity themselves or at least hearing about it from people. Uh, I mean, you think of the, the angel of God. That's the phrase that's used in verse 6. His appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. That's the phrase that we saw back in Exodus 14 that the angel of God was leading Israel and then moved to the back, the angel of God. Uh, so, further evidence that that was probably the angel of the Lord as well, Jesus, pre incarnate. Logan.
5: So, the last He, got, he wrestled until morning, and when he saw he wasn't getting you know. I, I mean, when I think of an angel of the Lord, I'm thinking of a uh, you know a human that's like souped up on bath salt or
1: something, <laughs> 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 just like unreasonably
5: But uh, here, you know, he yeah. I
2: don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, what does it mean to wrestle? <laughs> <laughs>
2: similar to wrestling. <laughs> it's a little bit different. They do it down in the south.
0: <laughs> <no, it's laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, Jacob, Jacob was, was allowed to win that match, wasn't he? I mean, there's just no doubt about it. I mean, even if he was wrestling the lowest level of angel that exists, the angel's still going to win, okay? Because the, the strongest man is still lower than the lowest angel, okay? But uh, he gets that name, Israel, which means either strives with God or God strives. There are two different ways of interpreting that. One is like strives with God or struggles with God, meaning that's what Jacob was doing in that event. And so he earned that name because he was wrestling with God. And that kind of becomes Israel's nature as a nation as they're just constantly striving with God. Um, But I think it's actually more likely that it's God strives, that God is the one striving and he's striving on behalf of Israel. So, um, yeah, that's a, it's a whole interesting thing because that's where his name gets changed. That sets the course for the rest of human history. Now there's Israel uh, and 12 tribes that follow. So it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah. Let's look at Zechariah before we run out of time. I don't know when the last time it was that you read Zechariah. Go to the very end of your Old Testament, right before the last book, Malachi. Go to Zechariah chapter 1. I don't know when the last time was you read Zechariah, but you need to read it. Read it again. It is an amazing book full of all kinds of interesting detail, including detail about the angel of the Lord. So Zechariah chapter 1, I'll read uh, 1, 7 to 17, and then after that I'll ask uh, someone to read 3, 1 to 7. Zechariah 1, starting at verse 7. It says, on the 24th day of the 11th month, which is the month of Shabbat, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, son of Ido, saying, I saw in the night, and behold, this is verse 8, a man riding on a red horse. He was standing among the myrtle trees in the glen, and behind him were red sorrel and white horses. Then I said, What are these, my Lord? The angel who talked with me said to me, I will show you what they are. So the man who was standing among the myrtle trees answered, These are they whom the Lord sent to patrol the earth. And they answered the angel of the Lord, who was standing among the myrtle trees and said, We have patrolled the earth, and behold, all the earth remains at rest. Verse 12. Then the angel of the Lord said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you have no mercy on Jerusalem and the cities of Judah, against which you have been angry these seventy years? And the Lord answered gracious and comforting words to the angel who talked with me. So the angel who talked with me said to me, Cry out, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion. And I am exceedingly angry with the nations that are at ease, for while I was angry but a little, they furthered the disaster. Therefore, thus says the Lord, I have returned to Jerusalem with mercy. My house shall be built in it, declares the Lord of hosts, and the measuring line shall be stretched out over Jerusalem. Cry out again, thus says the Lord of hosts, my cities shall again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord will again comfort Zion and again choose Jerusalem. Does Zion need comfort today? Yep. No, oh, you better believe it. And will he be faithful to this promise that one day his cities will overflow with prosperity? Yes, he will. Okay, chapter 3, 1 through 7. He'll read that for us. 3, 1 to 7. Now, I gave you a heads up on this so you could muster the courage to volunteer. You got it? Thanks, Stacy.
4: Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel. He spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, Remove the filthy garments from him. And again he said to him, See, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and will clothe you with festival festival robes. Then he said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments while the angel of the Lord was standing by. The angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways and if you will perform my service, then you will also govern my house and also have charge of my courts. And I will grant you free access among these who are standing here.
0: All right. An amazing scene. I mean, if you just take those first two verses that Stacy just read for us, chapter 3, 1, and 2, and just try to picture that. Like, sit down tomorrow and look at that again and just try to picture that. I mean, that is amazing stuff. And there's so much to apply here theologically with the garments and all of that. so much, uh, I think, typologically that's happening. But you have Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him and the angel of the Lord being involved. And oh, just, it's, it's beautiful. It's an amazing, amazing passage. But once again, we see in chapter 1 and chapter 3 and other places too in Zechariah where the angel of the Lord appears, that he's a special messenger communicating major events in God's program. And uh, he just had a special role. He, he would show up and he would guard and protect at special times and special ways. He would send messages and at special times and special ways. He would receive worship. He would be recognized as God. He was set apart from all creatures. He was recognized as uh, the creator himself. So a few summary statements that you have there at the bottom. Um, The angel of the Lord was a messenger to and protector of Israel. He made claims to deity and he accepted worship. You can jot down there, again, if you're taking notes, you can jot down Joshua 5, 13 to 15. That's when the commander of the Lord's army showed up to Joshua. Do you remember that? And he has that uh, moment like Moses had at the burning bush, take off your sandals, this is holy ground. Joshua falls down to worship this commander, and this commander receives worship. He doesn't say, don't do that, he receives it. And he tells him, this is holy ground. And interestingly, the angel never again appears after the Incarnation. The Son of God takes on flesh, is born of a woman. You never see the angel of the Lord again in the New Testament. He doesn't appear again. Which further indicates that these were pre-incarnate appearances of the Son of God, of Jesus Christ. Now you will see in Luke, I think it's once in Luke 1 and then another time in Luke 2, you'll see the phrase, an angel of the Lord. That's different than the angel of the Lord, okay? Uh, We know the difference between a and the, okay? We should by now. Uh, And that's the difference there, okay? It's important to see that distinction. So the conclusion is that one of the ways that Jesus interacted with people before the incarnation was by appearing as the angel of the Lord, the ultimate protector, the ultimate messenger of the people of God, okay? Thoughts or questions? Yes, sir.
3: Theophany.
0: Theophany. Theophany is an appearance of God to man. Okay? So um, Christophany is specifically that Christ has appeared. Yeah. So you can think of uh, God speaking to Elijah out of the whirlwind, you know, as it says that. You could say theophany. Okay? Um, But oftentimes Christophany and theophany are just synonymous. Yeah. Other thoughts or questions? Yes, Daniela. Yes. That's in um, Stephen's speech. Yes. Uh, the first Christian martyr. What's the verse there? Uh, 30. 30. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, he says an angel appeared to him. That's, of course, I mean, one way of just stating what happened. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He could say the angel of the Lord, but instead he chose to say an angel. But yeah, I mean, as you uh, as you read down and as you indicated, verse 32, this angel said, I am the God of your fathers. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't think that that takes away from the uniqueness of the angel of the Lord at all. It's just the way that he phrased it. Yeah. Oh, well, i because you said in the New Testament you see other angels. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, right, and he's referring to a past event, so there's no, so one of the things I was saying is there's no new event of the angel of the Lord, he he doesn't appear again to create a new event, Um, and yeah, and and then uh, Luke, the references that I made in Luke 1 and 2, where you have an angel coming to announce the birth of Christ, that angel, yeah, is an angel, not the son of God, yeah. Other thoughts, other questions, Good connection in Scripture, though, Danielle. Good Bible study. Okay. Well, next week, we're going to look at about 20 passages in the New Testament. <laughs> There's about 20 of us here, so we can all take one. That'll be great. Okay? And uh, that'll be a true flyover survey, and uh, we'll gather more information about angels. We won't be talking about the angel of the Lord, though. Only in the Old Testament. Okay? Very good. We'll all pray, and we'll be dismissed. Melissa? Oh yeah, cleaning this Saturday, the cleaning day, lots of people won't be able to make it. So those who can make it, make it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that would be great. Uh, all right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for saving us, for calling us out to be your own, to, that you adopted us as sons and daughters, and that we are yours forever. God, we ask that as we continue to study your word and to look at interesting uh, things that you've revealed that we would grow in our awe of you, that we would grow in our wonder and our amazement, that it would affect our worship and cause us to uh, see you as bigger and bigger because we know that you are infinite. Have us to just never uh, limit you in ways that go against your word, but that we would continue to explore your word and find out just how amazing and wonderful you are. Lord, we love you so much, and we ask your blessing on those who aren't able to be here tonight, that you would keep them safe for those who are traveling, and you would uh, comfort the sick. Help us to be an encouragement to all of them, and uh, give us safety tonight as we go home that we'd gather again soon, all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.